Welcome into the Lockdown Royals podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. On today's show, we'll be talking about Jorge Soler getting a new deal and avoiding arbitration. We'll talk about Alex Gordon getting close to returning and Major League Baseball cracking down on cheating. Let's start quickly with Jorge Soler. This isn't going to take very long. You know what he did last year winning the Home Run Championship uh, and being a solid force in that lineup. And returning him to this lineup with guys like Hunter Dozier and Merrifield and Salvador Perez, who you hope can turn it around, makes this lineup that they're entering 2020 with a pretty competitive one. Now, it's not elite. It's not even very good. It's just competitive, which is more than they could say in previous years, especially at the start of a rebuild like what we're facing right now. So I like the lineup. I like Jorge Soler in it. But obviously, due to the fact that he was under arbitration, there was no way he could have left anyway. So this isn't like huge news. It's a one-year deal worth $7 million. I don't care about any dollar amount with a one-year deal, especially for a team like the Royals, who are not even close to the luxury tax. There's no salary cap. I don't care what you give him for one year. You can give him all the money in the world for one year for all I care because it's going to roll off the books next year. Even if he's terrible, it's not going to hamper your franchise. Who cares, really? The only interesting story about this, and we can rattle off all Jorge Soler's stats, how he's had the most no-doubt home runs in baseball last year, which is an impressive stat in itself. But the most impressive thing about this conversation, because again, he couldn't have left the team anyway. He only got $7 million, and there's no long-term agreement here. The only interesting thing is that Dayton Moore has stayed out of arbitration once again. And for those of you who don't know what arbitration is, it's of course when two sides go into basically a conference room with an arbiter and you're arguing for how much a guy should get paid. So for Dayton Moore in this case, you would go to arbitration and you would say, okay, I think Jorge Soler deserves to be paid this amount of money. Obviously, Jorge Soler, if you get to arbitration, wants more money than that. So he'll say, I want this amount of money. And from there... Dayton Moore, whoever is in the room representing the team, will argue all the flaws Jorge Soler has. He can't play defense well. He's a he's only a DH. They'll they'll just start tearing him down to make their case better for why why the arbiter should side with them and agree to their dollar amount rather than Jorge Soler's. And that can get very messy, as you can imagine. And in fact, it's burned a lot of bridges over the years from players and organizations and them not being able to come to agreement in a long term deal because of the things that they said in arbitration. A famous case of that is Dylan Batances, who never forgave the Yankees for how they treated him in arbitration. And so to avoid arbitration at all costs, as Dayton Moore has, he's only been to arbitration once. That's very, very impressive in it, and it keeps you in the game for a long-term deal. Now, he avoided arbitration with Eric Cosmer, Mike Moustakis, Lorenzo Cain, and they still did not result in long-term deals, but at least he didn't burn the bridge, and he didn't do that with Jorge Soler. That's just an impressive mark on his resumes that he's only been to arbitration once, despite how long he's been a general manager. I don't see a long-term deal with Jorge Soler being worked out. I think if they were going to sign him long-term, if the two sides could come to an agreement long-term, it would have happened this offseason because there's, there's benefit to both sides. For the Royals, if you know you want to keep him around, you sign him now before he duplicates his season that he had a year ago. For Jorge Soler... You sign the deal now because what if you fall off this season? 
What if this season you regress to the mean? What if this season you prove that last year was a flash in the pan? You want to have that security. And so since these two sides could not agree on a long-term deal entering 2020, I frankly do not think it will happen. I don't think that Jorge Soler will be with the Royals in 2021. I think he gets traded at the deadline, and we'll see what the Royals can net back for him. So at the end of the day, Jorge Soler signed a one-year $7 million deal and avoided arbitration. Again, the only, the only interesting thing in this is that Dayton Moore avoided arbitration again, despite both sides filing for arbitration Friday afternoon. Friday evening, they came to an agreement and did, and did get to, of course, evade arbitration. Now let's talk about Alex Gordon. Of course, he's a fan favorite. Of course, he's a guy who reminds fans of the good days, you know, of, of, the, of the winning that, that happened for two years. His gold gloves, his beard, his number. I mean, he's a guy that you can attach to as, as a Royals fan. He, he's a part of that original core. In fact, he dates back further than the original core. He was really one of the first prized prospects the Royals have ever had in this generation. Of course, he failed at third base, but then turned into an impeccable outfielder. So I get why people love Alex Gordon. I understand it a ton. But this whole saga has really gotten on my nerves because, one, it's January. You know if you want to play or not. Two, there's no one who wants Alex Gordon besides the Royals. The Twins don't want him. The, the Rays don't want him. There's no team in baseball who wants Alex Gordon besides the Royals. So at the end of the day, you need to decide, do you want to play baseball or do you not want to play baseball? It's the middle of January. We're about to have pitchers and catchers report. We're about to get things going. And Alex Gordon, up until this point, was still playing foot in, foot out. He was still doing the hokey pokey on if he wanted to play baseball. Make up your mind and either play baseball or don't. And like I said with Jorge Soler, it's a one-year deal. Alex Gordon is not going to play past this season. So give him the money. Give him whatever money he's asking for. And let's have one last ride with Alex Gordon and send him off with all the fanfare and hoopla that every other player gets. Jeffrey Flanagan reported on Friday that the Royals are hoping to sign a deal with Alex Gordon prior to FanFest. If this gets past FanFest with no deal, FanFest, by the way, is January 24th, let's just forget about it. I mean, this is seriously getting ridiculous. Alex Gordon has no market. Nobody wants him. All he has to do is decide if he wants to play baseball or not. How long does it take to say, okay, I do or I don't? He probably had an inkling of what he wanted to do last season. So now you're telling me in January he still can't decide? How long is this going to take? I just want to know how long that we'll be waiting around for Alex Gordon, as if he's some great player. It's Alex Gordon holding your franchise hostage. The Royals have made no bones about it. They desperately want Alex Gordon to come back. They've been consistent in that since the season ended, that they desperately want Alex Gordon back. So now the ball's on Alex's court, and he's doing the whole charades of if he wants to play or doesn't want to play. If this gets past FanFest, which it doesn't sound like it will, but if it does, that's ridiculous. 
Let's just move on with who we do have. Brett Phillips, Bubba Starling, and figure it out from there. He either wants to play or he doesn't. I expect the deal to happen at FanFest, quite frankly. If I had to make a prediction, I would suspect that FanFest starts with no deal to Alex Gordon. And as soon as the fans enter the convention center, wherever this is going to be held, then all of a sudden, what's that? Oh, it's Alex Gordon emerging from the curtains like Chilean miners. And then that, then they'll announce the deal and that he's back for one last season and he loves Kansas City and blah, blah, blah. And we'll go through the whole season of 100 losses, but with an Alex Gordon retirement tour. So that's my prediction. It'll happen exactly at FanFest. They'll announce it at FanFest. He'll be at FanFest. And then we'll kick off the season of Alex Gordon where we just parade around and, and blah. I don't even know what teams would even do for Alex Gordon. He's not going to get, obviously, the Derek Jeter treatment. But I think that within the AL Central, you could see a few great moments between him and the White Sox organization, the Twins organization, you know, the, the entire division uh, honoring him. I think that at the end of the season, it'll be a big deal. But before then, not really. So I think that we'll play one last season with the Royals, and that will be that. Let's talk about this Astros punishment, and obviously Alex Cora as well, which happened late last night. First of all, the Astros manager and GM were suspended for an entire season, and then later on after that announcement, they were fired. The Astros also lost a first and second round pick in each of the next two drafts, and they are fined $5 million, which is no big deal to a big league organization. $5 million is nothing, but it is the maximum amount of dollar amount fined possible. Alex Cora also was fired, although the official statement is they've mutually agreed to part ways. Let me let me let you in on a little secret here. As someone who works in the biz, no one agrees to mutually part ways. You're either fired or you're not. Alex Cora is not going to give up a big league managerial job just for no reason, especially before his punishment is handed down. But... He's gone out of Boston. A.J. Hinch is gone out of Houston. And it doesn't seem like these two guys are going to get back in baseball. Now, when I first heard this news, I thought, why would you even fire A.J. Hinch? Due to the fact that you're not going to hire a manager this year. You're stuck with whatever the staff is right now. That's what you're stuck with. So welcome A.J. Hinch back after the season's over and keep riding because it's clear that he's a good manager. However... As the reports got deeper and deeper, you find out that Hinch tried to break the TVs, he tried to break the cameras, he tried to break the computers, he tried to stop it, and it would not stop. So that tells me that he has no control over his clubhouse, and that's something that will get you fired in a hurry. Alex Cora, of course, getting fired is a big deal. I think that Alex Cora deserves a much harsher punishment than A.J. Hinch because he has really three offenses. The Houston offense... The first Red Sox offense, which was the Apple Watches. And then it sounds like he did this exact same stunt in Houston, which would bring to three technology offenses. And he'll be suspended, hopefully, for much longer than A.J. Hinch was. I personally don't think that A.J. AJ Hinch should have been suspended for an entire year. I think that, you know, to start the season, being suspended would, be, would have been fine. But the fact that he was so opposed to this, and it sounds like Cora and the players were the ones who were ringleading this. Now you can argue again that he lost control of the locker room of the clubhouse, 
which is a good argument for Houston to make. I think that really he couldn't have survived in Houston. But I do think that A.J. Hinch will be back managing baseball at some point and with a with better circumstances around him than Alex Cora and the players that were involved in this, I think that he can turn it around as a manager. Now let's talk about the Mets real quick to close things out. They, of course, hired Carlos Beltran this offseason as their manager. Carlos Beltran was a player who was heavily involved in the Astros scandal. In fact, he was the only player in the report that was called on by name as a guy who was involved in this. And the Mets now are wavering on their support of Carlos Beltran. And as of right now, which is Wednesday at 2 o'clock, it does not seem as if Carlos Beltran will have a job come spring training. Now, they have not fired him yet, but it sounds like he's going to step down himself. And he's going to step down as the manager of the Mets, and the Mets are going to be scrambling as another team looking for a manager. I don't understand this one. Because, sure, did Carlos Beltran do something bad? Yes, he cheated. As a player, though. And we're not punishing any other player. We're only punishing managers and GMs. So why is Carlos Beltran being retroactively punished in the same sense of a manager whenever he did this as a player? We're not punishing Alex Bregman. We're not punishing Carlos Correa. We're not not punishing Jose Altuve. So why is Carlos Beltran thrown into this mix? I think that the only thing that needs to happen from here on out is Carlos Beltran goes about his business as a manager, and from there, if he cheats as a manager, okay, now you're out. But you got to give him the opportunity to be a manager first. We haven't seen if he will or will not cheat, and with the new rules in place and how I think MLB is going to be all over teams now from here on out, I don't think that he'll have a chance to cheat as a manager. So I just don't understand why he's being punished for something he did as a player whenever no other player is even mentioned in any of these reports. But that's kind of the price you pay for cheating, I guess. This is all just kind of random and and really odd that this even happened, the whole cheating scandal with the Astros. And there's people on both sides that they either got punished or the right amount or not enough. I think the only thing I would have done differently in this in this punishment is I would have taken away the international signing money from the Astros. I would have stripped them of international signing money for the next year, maybe even two, and really sent a message that way. Because you look at who you can get from the international pool. Guys like Salvador Perez. And that's cheap, young talent. Think of how many contracts Salvador Perez had to sign before you finally felt good about the contract he signed. Every single time he'd sign a contract, it would be, wow, this is really team-friendly. Wow, he's not getting paid what he's worth. Now, finally, he is getting paid what he's worth. But that's that's that system of international players who do not, wrongfully so, do not get paid what they're worth. And so that kind of negates losing a top 60 pick, in my opinion, for the next two years, two of them for the next two years. I would have preferred them lose their international signing bonus. But that's the only punishment I can see that MLB didn't do that I would have done. So to recap today's show, Alex Gordon, get in or get out. I think that he'll sign a contract the day of FanFest with all the fans there on January 24th. Jorge Soler avoids arbitration. 
good for Dayton Moore. Nothing to really see here in terms of big news. And now let's talk about Friday's show. Again, this is the Locked On Royals podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And on Friday's show, the AL Central continues to spend money. Josh Donaldson is now a member of the Twins. We're going to look look at Vegas over-unders for teams' win totals. And also, does Eric Hosmer have a burner account? That's all coming up on Friday's show of the Locked On Royals podcast. Be good and be good to one another, and we'll see you on Friday.